You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the second series of the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Actorhouse, on the 29th of November 2020. Yes, I know, coming up to the end of November already, only feels like a few days ago we started the month. So, this all means it's getting closer and closer to Christmas, and I am in the Christmas mood, because if I look to my right, on my window, I'm in my home studio, in my bedroom, very comfortable... Uh, heater and full blast as well, important. If I look to my right, on my window I've got Christmas lights. If I look to my left, I've got a big six foot Christmas tree with Christmas lights dazzling me again. I've got blue lights on the roof, and you know, on the on the top bit of the roof. And I've got tinsel everywhere I look and some more Christmassy stuff. So, safe to say I am in the Christmas mood. And people that know me personally, or people who have been following me this past few years, will know that I'm a bit Christmas mad. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the season, especially this year when the world has been in a really awful place, really awful position. Everybody's been in an awful mood, frankly. So Christmas is just its going to brighten everybody's mood, as is this podcast. So welcome along to episode 12. Sit back, relax, stroke your dog, stroke your cat, I don't know, give yourself a foot massage, get a coffee, get a cup of tea, do whatever you want that pleases you. Uh, whatever that might might be, and relax and listen to this podcast, because we've got a lot to discuss this week, including some electric cars, because yes, we do like electric cars on a Piston podcast. It makes no sense, but we have to embrace the change, because it's going to happen, and regular listeners will know that I, whenever I you know review an EV, I tend to go on about a 10-minute rant about why EVs are great. So, there we go, and the reason I'm reviewing this specific EV, which is the Volkswagen e-Golf, it's no secret because it's in the title, is because we're considering it as the next family car. So I basically said to my mum and my dad, I said, I'm going to do a podcast on it, and you're going to listen to it, and then you can decide if you like the e-Golf. So, I'm going to try and big it up as much as I can, aren't I, really? So, it's probably a bit one-sided, but oh well. Let's get on with this podcast and start with some car news, putting EVs aside. Let's kick off with this gas guzzler, as they uh, as they call them. And it's a 1,300 horsepower Resvani Hercules 6x6, and apparently it's here to eat you. The truck bed alone is the size of a smart car. Sort of the same design brief as a Mercedes G-Wagon 6x6, you know, the one Richard Hammond drove in Top Gear many years ago. But... A bit more bonkers, I would say. It's it's a bit it's unusual. It's not to everybody's tastes. Probably not to mine. It's a bit too much, really, and probably a lot of money actually. The Renault boss has big plans for Alpine as brand continues its overhaul. So you know the news about Renault F1 is changing to Alpine F1. By the way, a lot of F1 news coming later on because a lot a lot has happened today. Um, and also. Renault Sport is changing its name to Alpine, so basically they're doing what Al- what Abarth is to Fiat. So, for example, it would be the Renault, sorry, the Alpine Clio, the Alpine Megane instead of the Renault Megane RS and the Renault Clio RS. Believe what that's what they're doing, and half of me is a bit like I'm going to miss the RS name because it's quite cool, but then half of me is like actually that makes a lot of sense, and if it's going to save Alpine, which is undoubtedly an amazing car brand. 
then fair enough. And I do I do like the idea of an Alpine McGann. I think that's quite that's that's really quite wicked to be honest. Let's scroll down. Um the car news this week. Jaguar Land Rover is attempting to block VW Group's imports to the US. So Jaguar Land Rover thinks that VW has been copying their terrain response system. So now they're heading to court. Oh no. That is not good. Very, very not good. Um, Apple files patent that will force drivers to replace cracked windscreens or windshield as it as it's written here. So apparently this is for your own safety because there can be a lot of dangers with a cracked windscreen. So this is a message from me as Daniel on the Piston Podcast. Get your windscreens fixed, you know, for your own safety. There we go. Ah, that's out of the way. The Volkswagen Passat sedan will likely leave Europe in 2033, and the Arteon is also on the list. Now, the Passat sedan, I didn't know it was a thing, to be honest. Looking at it now, it's not, I'm not very interested in it. It's just a car. So, I'm not too bothered about that. But the Arteon, I am actually a secret fan of the Arteon. And down the road from me, there's an Arteon R. Or if it's not an R, if it's an R line, but I think it's an R, and it's in that sort of like primer colour where it's like in that grey. You see a lot of Skodas in it, especially the VRSs, and I really like it. Every time I cycle by or go by in the car, I always look at it and I think that's actually a really, really pleasant-looking car. So that's a shame actually to see it going. EPA has reported a massive emission fraud on diesel pickup trucks, so the engines will be modified by their owners. Wow. And there's a picture of a very unusual Chevrolet Silverado. And, oh my word, I haven't seen the new Silverado. I've seen the old one that, again, James May drove on Top Gear a few years ago when they went to Canada to save Richard Hammond on top of a mountain. But this new Silverado, oh my word, I don't know if I like it or not. I think it's a bit too tall at the front end and the grill just sort of goes. And then, right, we'll stop it here, put a badge, and then let's carry on some more. It's a bit unusual for me. Not. In fact, I'm not a big fan of it. It's too much chrome as well. No, not nice. The VW Golf 8 gains expected estate variant. So, the recipe stays familiar, but the prices start from £24,575, which is not bad. Um, you know, for, for a Volkswagen Golf estate, it's, probably, it's not that bad. And if you get it on fine apps or something, it's even better. But this, uh, there's a picture here of the new Golf 8 estate, and... Actually, it does look really, really quite nice because I think the Golf 7.5 estate was probably a bit boring and a bit vanilla, but this new Golf 8 probably looks better as an estate as it does as a normal hatchback. So fair play to Volkswagen. Volkswagen has joined the race to produce a $25,000 electric vehicle. Things are heating up between Tesla and Volkswagen as uh, the project BEV battery electric vehicle versus Tesla's seven sorry 4680 battery okay so the race has begun to the $25,000 EV that was difficult to sort of read wasn't it but that's interesting i think Volkswagen is the perfect brand to make an affordable EV because yeah Volkswagen EVs are a big topic in this podcast because the ID3 is a great car and I would really like one. It's just they've only just came out and they're still quite expensive. But if you lease something like an Eagle for the first few years or finance, because they are different things, and then maybe after your three or four year plan, just get an ID3. That'll probably work. And then after that, there'll probably be an affordable car you can buy then after the ID3, a successor. But that's interesting. There's an ID3 that lives down the road from me. 
Um, although I think it's a guy that works at Volkswagen near me because it has Volkswagen stickers all over it. The new ID3, come and test drive, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I think it looks great. I can't go past it. Again, like the Arteon, and think it's just a car because the ID3, I think, is more than a car, even though that's what it's trying to be, a car. It's interesting. It, very, it really is interesting. It's an interesting topic. Uh, what else has been going on? The maxed out BMW M4 competition will leave you $100,000 out of pocket. Wow, that is a lot of money. In fact, Alexa, what is $100,000 in pounds? $75,000-ish. I don't know if you heard that, but I've just translated it. £75,000 for a top-spec BMW M4? I don't know, that seems maybe a bit over the top for my liking. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that's great, to be honest. Probably not. You get a lot of cars for that money. I don't know. Porsche 911, maybe? I don't know. BMW, have a think about about your grills as well, as well maybe. And the iX, because I do want to talk about the iX. I think I did it last week, but I'm not so sure. In fact, I'll do it now. So, you've probably seen it already in the news, the new BMW iX. If you haven't heard it, then just search up on your iPhone or your Samsung or your Huawei or Oppo or whatever phone you have. Search up BMW iX because it's an interesting car because it's an electric SUV to rival the Audi e-tron and the other, you know, Tesla Model X and the other cars like that. And it has a 500 horsepower battery which has 375 miles of range, which is very, very good. And... I bet the technology is so advanced. But all of the technology is crammed into an awful piece of design. Now, there's very, very few angles that actually look half decent. I mean, quarter decent. Because I don't know what BMW are on, but it's it's not anything legal, I'll tell you that. The BMW just, they did a tweet because they were getting grilled on social media. <laughs> Quite literally, grilled. Grilled about their grill. Um, and BMW basically said, oh... Um, this is the future, and people need to join in or something like that. Um, I don't know, I can't remember the exact words, but they're basically trying to back up their own design. And it looks pretty goddamn awful, as I'll describe it. Um, so yeah, it's a shame really, because that technology is very, very good. And I'd quite, I'd quite like to see it in an i3, to be honest. There's a lot of power, but I'd like to see it in an i3, which was released about 11 years ago, I think. No, not nine years ago. Um, it wasn't on sale then, but it was sort of released to the world at the motor show. And it was a very futuristic design. Now, nine years on-ish, it still looks like the car of tomorrow. It's an amazing piece of car design. But they need to update the batteries in the i3, I think. Maybe a bit longer range. Tesla has suddenly raised the Model S and Model X prices in Europe. Um, I don't know why that is, and that's a worry, really, because electric cars are meant to come down in value. Another Tesla Roadster has lost its roof on a Chinese highway. Is this another design flaw? I think it is. There's a video here of a Tesla Roadster, and it's driving along. All of a sudden, the roof pops off. That is really, really bad, actually. Um, Tesla, sort out your act. A uh, sneak peek has come out of the new Porsche 911 GT3. This is the 992 generation, their latest one. And actually, Chris Harris has done a review on the Top Gear YouTube channel I think you should check out. Walking around the new GT3. And it's a very, very, very good-looking car. I'm a massive fan of Porsches. I think they're, they're absolutely glorious. Um, yeah, really, really good. Let's do one more um, piece of car news and then let's move on to some piston discussion, shall we? Some F1 stuff as well. 
Yeah, need to talk about that. Lamborghini has officially confirmed that the Aventador replacement will have a V12. It'll be a hybrid, though, but that's fine, isn't it? I mean, I I'm quite shocked because I thought that the Aventador would be one of the last V12 engines when it first came out. But no, they seem to carry on going, which is not great for the environment, but still fairly cool in a way. But we do need to think. Anyway, putting that aside... Um, I think we should move on to some piston discussion. This is just random bits of discussion I want to talk about. First of all, let's talk about F1. I've led you up to it enough. Today was the Bahrain Grand Prix. Now, um, people have been waiting for this one, and it's a very tricky track, um, as certain drivers have found out. So, first of all, um, there was a crash, and it was in the second lap, I believe, second or third lap, and it was Romain Grandjean or Roman Grosjean, or something like that. Or if you're very British, Romain Grosjean, but it's not that, it's Roman Grosjean, in a French accent. He basically went straight off, and it was at the fault of another driver. I've got I've got him on here somewhere, I think. Um, Kvyat, I think it is. It was his fault, I think. And basically, uh, Grosjean basically skidded out and went straight into a barrier. The car split in half, and the front end went in a ball of flames. Now, I had this on Sky Sports, and I literally tuned in about five minutes beforehand, if that. And it was unusual. The back end of the car was still in the runoff area, on the gravel, but the front end of the car was wedged in between the barrier. So, the car went up in flames. Luckily, it was on one of the first few corners of the track. So, the safety car came out, the medical team and stuff like that came out quite quickly. And... The car was in flames, and Grosjean basically was still in the car while it was in flames, and oh my word, what a tense moment. It took him a fair few seconds to get out. It probably felt like hours to him, um, but he did eventually crawl out, and you could see the footage of the flame, and then just this F1 driver with a burnt helmet walking out. And basically, some news has been released. I believe he has burns to his hands and feet, and I think he's broken a few ribs, but... Oh my, it could have been a lot worse. So I wish a speedy recovery to Roman um, because it's it's a catastrophic experience for him and the other F1 drivers. It's 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 really, really bizarre. And really, I think people need to have a think because them barriers, they sort of split in half and then trap the F1 car, which is not what they're for. So them F1 barriers apparently could have killed him, which is... Really, really awful. So I think they're going to have to do a redesign, the FIA, of that. Cause it's not, not great at all. So there we go. I did a little tweet, actually. If you go to my Twitter, Daniel Carzo 5 you can see a picture I put up on there. It was absolutely catastrophic. Really, really bad. So speedy recovery to him. And then, literally, the race started after about 40 minutes again. And about two minutes later, Lance Stroll crashed. Basically, he, um, he was driving and he cut off another driver and caught another driver's tyre, and it basically flipped the car in the air, Lance Stroll's car, and he did a bit of a flip, landed on the on, on its top, um, and he had to basically crawl out, and that halted the race again. So I think it was a red flag for Roman, and then a yellow flag for Lance. So there we go, not, not a very uh, positive race, certainly an interesting one, uh, but Hamilton won, unsurprisingly. It's one of the first F1 races I've properly watched, actually. I think I might be watching more. It's quite interesting, actually, as it turns out. So there we go. That's F1 aside for now. I want to talk about Zero EV. Now, Zero EV is a company, uh, there's a lot of companies that do this now, that basically take a car and they EV swap it. Now,
um, has a Nissan Figaro, and the Nissan Figaro is a very, very good car. I'm tempted to do an article on it next weekend, maybe. And basically, he thinks the only letdown of the Nissan Figaro is the engine. It's got a one-litre turbo, three-speed auto. It's pretty dire, apparently. So he wants to EV swap it. So we took it to Zero EV, and they sorted it out, and it's actually a very good candidate for uh, an electric car conversion. So basically what they do is they take the engine and the gearbox out, blah, 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 sell them, and then I believe they take the price off the EV swap, which, to be honest, makes a lot of sense, and an EV figure is amazing. But I just wanted to do a bit of a promotion for the Zero EV company. Go to the Zero EV YouTube channel, because they've got a lot on there. They do MX-5s, they do all sorts, and it's really incredible. There's uh, Swindon powertrains that do powertrains for, electric powertrains for uh, classic cars, bringing them into the future. And I think them businesses are going to be so, so important in the next few years for bringing either classic cars or cars of the current um, into the future. I mean... One thing I'd really like to do, it's just it's very expensive and out of our league, is electrify our Fiat Panda 100HP. Because I personally think an electric Fiat Panda would be pretty amazing, don't you? Even if it's a standard Panda, maybe. Really, really great. But anyway, let's put Zero EV aside, because I want to talk about another EV. Just a lot smaller. Something I haven't talked about in a long time. Now, Piston Podcast listeners, if you listened in Series 1 around April, May time, uh, you'll remember I bought a Tamiya VW Type 2 campervan kit. This is a remote control electric kit. Now, I bought it as a, as a bit of a lockdown project, me and my dad. So he did the body and I did the chassis. And we had a lot of fun. I did the chassis, but it took took us ages to get started with the body. It's one of them things you forget about and then go back to work and school and stuff like that. But it's only just been only just been completed. So the, the model is now done. Again, you can go check it out on my Twitter and Instagram, at DanielCarzo5. see a picture there. And... It's absolutely bonkers. Now, I'm going to film a YouTube video on that soon. A bit of a recap of the build, because I've still got a load of photos of it, of the build. And I'm going to do some racing around, probably a car park or something. So stay tuned for that on my YouTube channel, Daniel Acterhouse. And that'll be probably on my Twitter somewhere. So keep an eye on there, will you? Turn on your tweet notifications or whatever. But yeah, uh, I'm very excited for that. It's 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 nice to have it on the road properly. I haven't tested it outside properly yet, so... You know what, let, let, let's, I'm waiting for some dry weather, you know, sunny weather maybe, a bit of time on my hands and let's take it out for a spin. Now another Tamiya model I've got my eye on at the moment is the new Tamiya Toyota Gazoo Racing Yaris. Now this has only just came out um, about a week ago I think, as I speak, and I'm pretty obsessed with it to be honest. It uses the M05 Tamiya chassis, which is front wheel drive unusually, but it uses the GR Yaris body. And apparently it's really, really wicked. I posted on the Tamiya RC Facebook group, which is amazing, by the way. You should join it. Um, about Has anybody got it yet, that kit? And a lot of people have, <laughs> have actually said that they bought the kit and have the car in order, which I think is amazing. What a life to live. But long story short, I've asked for the car for Christmas. Like, the Tamiya model, that is, because I think it's amazing. And it looks incredible. So... Let's keep let's uh, keep an ear out, shall we? Keep an eye out for Christmas Day, um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. And that'll make a good little YouTube series, I bet. The build of the GR Yaris. So fingers crossed, eh? Now moving away from Tamiya, but keeping on the theme of Toyota, um, I've been looking online at Toyota Gazoo Racing Corollas. I've got an absolute obsession about Toyotas. I always have done. Miss our Yaris dearly, but. Um, there's there's a Toyota Gazoo Racing Sport Corolla, and I think the Corolla alone looks great, but this Gazoo Racing one, the GR, looks incredible. 
please search it up on your mobiles now or your laptops, whatever. Or if it works, on your desktop, I don't know, Toyota GR Corolla, because I think it looks really good. And I think I'd have one over most hot hatches. Maybe not a GR Yaris, but I just think it looks really, really nice. And maybe if a GR Yaris isn't practical enough, then go for the GR Corolla. It's amazing. I think I need to do a, a bit of a twin test on these, because I think Toyota, a bit of a, they're on a roll at the moment. But I was talking to somebody on Facebook earlier on, actually, about... The, the, the GR Yaris in particular has showed what Toyota is capable of on their own and how I think Toyota should have ditched BMW when they made the Supra slash Z4 and just made it their own, a proper Toyota Supra because I believe they would have done a better job more interesting, more bizarre and more, more Japanese in a way which I think is nice, everybody wants that so there we go, we'll leave the argument to all of you listeners at home Enough Piston discussion, let's get on with what you're waiting for, the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week. I'm starting to struggle uh, to see the script because A, I haven't got my glasses on, and B, my light is off for some reason, so I'm, I'm relying on fairy lights. So, there we go. The Piston Podcast Pick of the Week this week is the Volkswagen e-Golf, which is an EV made by Volkswagen, no longer on sale. It's launched in about 2014, and only a few of them were made, and then they sort of brought it back after the VW emissions scandal, oh, back in 2015, to sort of prove their worth. So it's basically a Golf converted into an EV. So it's not a ground-up electric car, but it's still good. And it's described as the perfect first electric car. Not my words, the words of most motoring journalists. So, priced brand new from £28,000, although you can pick up a, you know, 17, 18 reg for about 18 grand now, so a bit better, but, you know, on finance or something, it's all right, really. Or you can get, you know, fairly new one from a dealership, 69 reg or something, for, not 69 reg, 20 reg, there we go, um, for 28 grand still, with about, you know, 20 miles on the clock or something like that. It uses a 35.8 kilowatt per hour battery, it's front wheel drive, that battery produces 133 brake horsepower, um, which I think is enough really for a front wheel drive car, maybe. Although, the past few days I've been spending a bit of time in my auntie's Vauxhall Zafira that we took and t- took to Holland in the new year, actually. And that's a 1.9 litre diesel, front-wheel drive, and it's got 163 horsepower, I think. It's a lot of power for front-wheel drive, but handles it reasonably well. And I know, it, like, take a GR... No, not a GR, yes, bad, bad example. Honda Civic Type R, front-wheel drive, a lot of power. I think it's like 200 and... No, 300 and something horsepower, but it handles it fairly well, so... I've actually ruined my own argument. Um, transmission. It's a single-speed uh, gearbox, you know, because they kind of do have gearboxes, electric cars. It revs up to 10,000 RPM, revs per minute, which is a lot, and electric cars do rev a lot. Torque, 214 pound-foot of it. Uh, MPG, miles per gallon, it's irrelevant, but there is miles per kilowatt per hour, which is four miles per kilo- kilowatt per hour. So mouthful, that. Um, which... It's pretty decent. Four or over is really quite impressive. The range is claimed by Volkswagen 144 miles. Now, this depends on how you drive it. If you drive it quite vigorously, you're probably going to get about 120 miles, realistically, similar to the Honda e. If you're driving it quite economically, you can probably get 160 on a good day, so not too cold, maybe not too hot. So, yeah, it ranges between there. A recharge on a 50-kilowatt charger from 10 to 80% is around 36 minutes. This is a fast charger. 36 minutes from 10 to 80%. It's really not that bad. 0 to 60 for the faster version is 9.6 seconds, which is decent. But obviously you've got no gear changes, so that will feel quicker. 
Top speed is 93 miles per hour, all you need. The weight is 1,540 kilograms, which is 30 kilograms heavier than the internal combustion engine car. Fun facts for you. Zero grams per kilometre of CO2. It's a five-seater, five-door only, so no three-door. The rivals consist of the Nissan Leaf, the BMW i3, and maybe even the VW ID3. Um, so, yeah, them three cars are probably the closest rivals. There's probably some more as well. Pros and cons, let's get these done as well. Pros, it's perfect. It's the perfect first EV, really, I think. You can upgrade it after a, after a uh, few years. And it's a Golf. You know, you hear Volkswagen Golf and everybody just everybody knows it, and they know it for being a very honest car. Another pro is it's a boring design. Now, I've put this as a pro and a con, because I think the boring design is a pro is it makes it understated i feel like a lot of electric cars look too bizarre maybe like the id the i3 which i like but a lot of people don't because of the design um but maybe the discreet maybe not boring discreet design helps some people don't like it because they think it should be interesting it's an ev they're interesting so the design should match so there we go we'll leave it up to you Two more cons we'll move on to cons now it struggles for traction sometimes when you just plant the throttle you're going to be spinning your wheels for a second or two. And the range is probably not enough for a lot of people. For people like, you know, my family, it's plenty. And we've got a petrol panda as well, which can do maybe the heavy miles. Or we can borrow my auntie's affair or something like that. But there we go. If the e-golf is not for you... Uh, by the way, I'm going to give that a Piston Podcast rating of 4 out of 5, which is quite an honest rating. Um, it's very affordable, so... In terms of affordability, maybe 4.5 out of 5. Anyway, if the e-Golf isn't for you, I'm going to give you a top 10 list of the best EVs on sale. These are affordable EVs, so no Tesla Model 3 performance on here. And number 10 is the Renault Zoe. And number 9 is the Honda e. And number 8 is the Vauxhall Corsa e. And number 7 is the Nissan Leaf. And number 6 is the Kia Soul EV. And number 5 is the Mini Electric, the Mini e. They all say e, don't they? The Mini e. And number four is the Hyundai Kona Electric 64 kilowatt per hour. It's a long name. And number three is the Peugeot E208. At number two is the BMW, not BMW, I keep saying BMW, the VW ID3. And at number one, first in the list for the best affordable EV, is the Kia E Nero. You've got to say E, like E. Yeah, so the Kia E Nero is meant to be the best. But personally, if I was to go for an electric Kia, I'd probably go for a Soul, because they're honest and they're nice, aren't they? They're just nice cars. Anyway, let's move on from electric cars and let's go on to My Way or Highway. This is a segment where I talk about a road that I like in particular. I've seen online, or maybe I've been on. I haven't been on this particular one. But anyway, you can take My Way, which is the nice the nice scenic route, or you can go away and take the highway. Simple as. This week, it is the Cheddar Gorg, or the Cheddar George. I don't know how you say it. Probably should have searched up beforehand. It's it was forged roughly 1.2 million years ago. You know, because they had cars 1.2 million years ago. Of course they did. And apparently you can stop and take a 274-step walk to the lockout tower. To the lookout tower. So I can't read my own handwriting. And I wrote I wrote this about 27 minutes ago as well. So there we go. That's probably quite nice. It's 14 miles long. The Cheddar George or the Cheddar Gorg. People are probably laughing at me now. About 30 minutes. So, if you live locally, it's it's the ideal route, really. And I think in an electric car, it'd be quite fun. Quite nippy around the corners. So, why not? 
Anyway, I think we should wrap this week's podcast up. Uh, by the way, right, uh, I'm just going to tell you some plans for the podcast's future. Uh, some good, some bad. Well, not bad in particular, just changes in general. Not bad. What am I thinking? There's no bad changes on the podcast. It's upwards and onwards, isn't it? Yes. All chant at home. Yes. So, basically, um, Series 1 ended after 20 episodes. I'm planning to end Series 2 after just 15 episodes, so there's about three more to go. The reason for this is, I think, as we come to the end of the year, I think we should close Series 2. So when the Piston Podcast relaunches eventually in 2021, we should start fresh with a new series. Which I think makes sense. Otherwise, we'll do Series 2, we'll stop for Christmas, and then we'll carry on with Series 2. just doesn't make sense, really. So there'll be a new series after the new year with some changes. One big change as well. One big change. And don't worry, the presenter is staying right where he is. I'm staying here, people. People that don't like me, then tough, really. I'm staying here because I like podcasting, quite frankly. Anyway, remember to check out my social media at DanielCarzo5. Remember to follow the Piston Podcast or whatever, or subscribe or leave a positive review, blah, blah, blah. Share with your friends if you liked it, and I'd love to hear your feedback and any car news you'd like me to talk about, thepistonpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to email me personally, I don't know why, they get to me either way, then email me danielactorhouse at gmail.com. Anyway, guys, thank you for, guys and girls, thank you for listening. Uh, Hope you stay safe, have a nice week. And I'll see you next week for another instalment of the Piston Podcast, where we might be talking about a piston car, we might be talking about a rotary car, we might be talking about an electric car. Who knows? Probably a piston car. Anyway, we'll see you next week, and we'll find out then. Goodbye. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast.